You're listening to TWN Champions, episode 21. Champions, arise! Welcome to the Champions Countdown Podcast, where we summon heroes from across space and time to populate our intergalactic museum or something like that. This is episode 21. I'm Will, and Baja-flavored Doritos give her supernatural abilities. It's Rebecca! My mama says I'm a good eater. (laughs) Supernatural abilities are new for you this year. Uh, are, are they? I feel like I've always kind of had a couple. I don't know, here or there. The Jumpin' Jack Doritos literally made me jump 15 stories high. Well, we are eating more Baja Dorito type stuff this year because we did start the diet where we get the Sunday eat anything crazy day. Yeah, which makes you eat more trash than you would have before, I think. And to see how much trash you can eat. Yeah. And I haven't reached the end yet. I, the problem is I don't have enough time. Not uh, It's not space in my stomach. But. Yeah, it's it's a weird, weird thing. I'm going to touch on that later in our countdown okay. about about food and how troubling it can be to okay. like obtain it and just deal with it uh-huh. all the time. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, this week of all weeks, being the week of Thanksgiving uh-huh. here in the good old U.S. of A., I know a lot of us like really have mixed feelings about celebrating. The pilgrims and their whole zhuzh, especially Mm -hmm. because I think we can all agree, having seen the beginning of The Witch, that the pilgrims were, you know... So, I don't think we're really thinking about that anymore. It's just like an excuse to eat mashed potatoes, which we can all get behind. But then this year is going to be different, and everybody's like, you know, a little sad about it. Everyone's mom is, which we understand. But then also, I've been really grossed out because I've seen, like, some marketers have already seized on the opportunity to be gross about Uh it. I saw an ad, like, a couple of hours ago that was like, it's the perfect accessory to celebrate the smaller days. Ooh, that's pretty gross. It was. It was from Goldfish Crackers. And I'm like, God, Goldfish Crackers, just, ugh, smaller days. Just don't even, with ugh. Yeah. That's just, it made me viscerally ill. Particularly mawkish, I think. It was. And guess what? I'm not going to buy Goldfish Crackers or celebrate <laughs> smaller days. So suck on it, Goldfish Crackers. I'm, I'm feeling very combative today. I well, I guess what a commercial would make you, though. It's pretty I gross. know. I was like, I did not ask to hear that word, smaller day. That was just, that was a bridge too far from Goldfish Crackers. Before I ask you what we're going to talk about today, I want to tell you what I would like to talk about at the end of this episode. There's something new I want to bring up. We've been uh, talking about something we'd like to try with our show, but I know we're going to have to explore some different ways we want that to happen. So listen up to the end because I have a question for our listeners about what they'd like to see and or how the, you listen to our show to sort of help us steer how we want to approach it. So anyway, just listen up for that, but I'll, I'll get on with the show. Will is going to make us do paperwork, everybody. <laughs> get out your brainstorming I would love, pads. I love a good form. I know. Get out, get out your brainstorming pads and everybody write down five ideas. And then the best idea goes on the whiteboard. Okay, just kidding. we'll do a bracket off with, with ideas. I'm a spreadsheet person. Like spreadsheet. <laughs> you do like spreadsheets. I'm good at them. Will is all about spreadsheets. I'm good. Always- I can see it in my head. Somebody can describe a very complicated situation and I can see in my head how how to organize it how it comes together this is spreadsheet just comes alive yes. before you I, I can't even stand it because I'm like one of those maddening people who's like well can't we just do it all on a list that I write down well I respect somebody who can distill it down to the real elements and eliminate noise that's a something I have to work on sometimes so that's its own skill I think okay well what are we going to talk about today though well on today's show We're counting down our personal favorite takes on the fictional food or power source archetype. Mm -hmm. I have four. Will has four. It's a top eight. And then obviously, in case we didn't, if that wasn't explicitly clear, we're doing this in honor of Thanksgiving. Yes. Yes, definitely. small days. (laughs) This one is one of our non-character episodes, but obviously they're going to evoke a lot of characters. Uh, But can you give us a good definition for how we're going to approach this? Okay, so here here are the the requirements that I kind of came up with for my list. 
So it's a food or fuel source that either doesn't exist in real life or again, it's, it's like either it's just completely mm-hmm. fictional or it can't exist as it may have once did because of an ever-changing supply chain. Okay. You know? Okay. Like, for example, maybe ain't bees fried chicken because chickens today are horribly overfed okay. and full of steroids and full of ever You know what I mean? Like okay. that kind of a thing. Okay. Or has mythical qualities ascribed to it in the media that make that would make it special. So in my book, it's like, okay, the ratatouille from ratatouille. Uh-huh. That would count. But like some French fries you saw on young Sheldon, that does not count. Okay. For my, for so my it list, it that's how I be, It can't just be a food somebody obsesses about. It has to have some special properties in that fictional universe. Well, I mean, I wish, yes. Okay. Although you could be very broadly speaking. Okay, but that's what I'm taking away from you. That's, that's what I'm saying. Okay, I said an edible substance that our characters crave because it means something to them or gives them power. But um, it has some special property that may be ill-defined. Okay. Uh, um, okay. But I, I think that makes sense. And it's not clear if it really gives them powers or or just a mood boost or not. But I, Will, I'm hearing from this. This is going to be all robots. <laughs> no. No, no, no. No. Okay. I know this is silly. Uh, we don't have a, a ton of uh, history to get into here, but can we talk a little bit about where this comes from in fiction? Maybe? <laughs> can we talk about a little bit about the history of food? It's like, well, <laughs> food began when we... No, no, I'm thinking like the classic example would be Soylent Green. Okay. Right? Okay. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. like it, it was sort of like codified in in sci-fi in that kind of a story, but I'm, I'm sure you, I didn't do any research. So, well, I was thinking, cause I knew we wouldn't pick this one. You know, sometimes we try to pick like the template type thing. I was thinking about maybe first encountering this, uh, with Popeye maybe. Like, oh, that's a good one. No, I, so I totally didn't even think about Popeye. Well, like, so this is back to 1929, a Max Fleischer cartoon. And, uh, his, big superhero thing was being indestructible rather than super strength originally. And originally he got this from rubbing the head of Bernice, the Wiffle hen, which is the most 1929 thing I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. A, is, was she a real hen? I don't know. Oh, wait a minute. Rubbing it numerous times after being shot. I have no idea what that means. After being shot. I don't know if the hen or he got shot, but this is crazy. But anyway, Later, he got his strength from spinach. And if you uh, look this up, there's all this stuff from Snopes and other places about this myth that persisted into the 30s about spinach having abnormally, extraordinarily high iron content. And so people just really got hooked on spinach being healthy for you, which it is, but it was like exaggeratedly so. Like people thought they could be like Popeye from eating it. So anyway, that's a like a real life and fictional kind of good example of yeah, this, I think. Pop- I didn't even think about Popeye's spinach. <laughs> And I did like spinach as a kid, so oh, funny. I really think that that kind of held over, you know. Uh, you know, in, in, in the South, we eat lots of uh, gross ki- types of dips and everything, and I do remember a, like, spinach and ranch dip that we would drag things through. I liked a lot. That was, like, real big into, like, 80s dinner party type stuff. Oh, we would eat yeah, a lot of that. spinach dip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was w- the height of sophistication. <laughs> I would watch Ninja Turtles and eat spinach dip sometimes. That sounds like your household. <laughs> that sounds about right, yeah. And there's just a quick drive-by other type of, themes that I, I had just picked up on were like maybe World War II super serum type stuff. Maybe there's a little bit of hint of that. And then also uh, maybe like advertising too, because there's always been this thing where like you eat the cereal and then you get the muscles or you eat, take this drug and then you can do these things. Oh yeah. Yeah. That would, that would be a thing. It's kind of weird. So, but anyway, that's the, that's the best I can point to, I think for this one. For the way that we're thinking about food. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. I can get behind that. We don't have to talk about Beowulf for once. <laughs> well, I did. Get You're to, like, well, we can. <laughs> no, I, I did get to my fun question area. I want okay. to ask you about. I okay. like that now since last episode, I, I really like leaning to the ones that make us really uncomfortable. So this is kind of like a would you rather. But if you had to pick one of these as your power food, I mean, what's okay. So what's a power you would want from a power food so we can make this practical? Are we talking? Are we being like superheroes or just yeah, like yeah, regular? yeah? What do you if, if you if let's say it's spinach? It's not going to be spinach. Okay, uh, but let's say you, something happens to you. What okay, is it? Okay, so a superpower that I would want. Um, let's just say invisibility. Okay, invisibility. Okay. okay, so to get invisible, you have to d- take one of these three things. It can okay. either be a starfish that you eat, an eel, or a cup of snails. 
Why do they all come from the water? It's a hard decision. I don't know. I was on that. I, I probably was excited about Cup of Snails. So Cup of Snails would be easy to eat because could I, could I make them into a soup? I guess you could. I guess you could. So then I would just live in France and I would have a chef, Jacques Philippe, and he would make the <laughs> soup for me when I wish to become invisible. And all the all your super villains would be like, oh no, she has the snails. <laughs> Zutalor. <laughs> <laughs> Um, did you pick one of the three? No, I just want to hear what you said. <laughs> I'm going to go snails okay, now, too, because you made me feel good about it. Now i got to think of, okay, what power do you want? What power do you want? Oh, I, you would think I thought about this, but I didn't. I guess it would be, I guess it would be no sleep needed. Okay, so you have the power to go without sleep for like a short but definite period of time. Uh-huh. Okay, we'll say a week, whatever. Okay. Are you going to down a cup of cozy hot cocoa? <laughs> Okay, but somebody else has to be in the room, so that's why it's gross. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, a super sugary yogurt, like uh-huh. a lady, like a lady yeah. yogurt. So these are all things you know I personally don't like. Yes. Uh huh. Or I'm trying to think of like one more, one more thing that Will just cannot get behind. Uh, like olives on a pizza, maybe. Well, that's the easy choice because you would clearly pick the olives. Because I, I just feel like you okay, would okay, like olives going. if Try you thought more. about Try it. Try one more. Okay. Um. Or we'll just say like an obnoxiously colored candy, like a like a big a bag of sour gummy worms. But I have to eat the whole bag. Yeah, you gotta cram them in your mouth and go. Okay, what was the first one again? <laughs> Cause he had cocoa. Okay, I'm gonna go with the yogurt. I can get that done fast. <laughs> okay. I can just choke that down. They are pretty small containers. Yeah. And then I'm mad and I'm ready to do some work. And then you'll just angrily eat yeah. yogurt and stay up for a week. Yes, which isn't too much of a stretch from how you live your life <laughs> right now. Well, can you start us off with your first pick? Number eight. I'm not sure if I can after after that mental image. Uh, all right, at number eight. We got to get this one out of the way because it's on everybody's list, but Limbus Bread from The Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. okay? That's cool. I didn't want to put it on my list because everybody's like, it's a fictional food I want, like with butterbeer. Butterbeer ain't going to be on this list, y'all, because everybody's like, butterbeer. Like, no, we got to be complicated and more difficult. But this one I did think of on my own. And I think the reason why I would want this is because I would be grateful for it. <laughs> and Frodo was not. Okay. Okay. Is this when, is this when they met Tom Bombadil? No. That was just, that okay. So they this, had a lot of food there. Yes. This was in the movie, but okay. also in, it was, this is in the Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, okay. When they were gifted a big buttload of this by Galadriel, uh-huh. you yes. know. Now this is I bequeath to you a buttload <laughs> of bread. One buttload of Lundbus bread. <laughs> Take okay. this cloak pin and a buttload of bread. <laughs> that, that, that was the dialogue. Um, I have a photographic memory, so I know that's definitely what how the book described it as well. What food have we got left? Well, let me see. Oh, yes. Lovely. Lambus bread. And look! More Lambus bread. I don't usually own foreign food, but this other stuff is not bad. Okay, so this is made by the elves, and usually only elves eat it, uh-huh. okay? It's kind of like hard tech, you know, like uh-huh. when you would give an old-timey sailor, kind of like a wafer. Now, if you know there's some obnoxious lore behind this, so I'm going to just tell you. Yeah, I like uh, it. Olympus is cinderin, cinder, I don't know, for whey bread from the older form, Lenbas journey bread. Okay, this is all fake stuff, this is right? All, okay. This is all made up okay, lore that it. is nonetheless, people are very passionate about, okay? okay? All right, now here's what they here's what they there's say. There's like a whole chapter in the Cimmerillion yes. about bread making. Or, yeah, yes. There's, there's like a whole history. There's got to be a Lord of the Rings cookbook somewhere. I'm sure there is. There's the, the Tom Bombadil cookbook, and he's like on the <laughs> on the front, like Captain Lou eating spaghetti or something. Okay, so, so the, if, to refresh your memory, they get it for traveling. Okay, so the cakes will keep sweet for many many days if they are unbroken and left in their leaf wrappings as we have brought them. One will keep a traveler on his feet for a day of long labor. Even if he be one of the tall men of Minas Tirith. Okay. Okay. So this is a little bread that you can just pack is like a granola bar, but it doesn't crumble in your pocketbook. Okay. If Nature Valley <laughs> made a granola bar. Oh, it's been a while since I know because no we never Valley go problem. anywhere anymore. But yeah. think about journeys, and you're like, man, I sure would like to eat this granola bar at 10:30 a.m. And you take it out of your bag, and it's dust. 
Limbus, that's not happening, right? Yeah. Because it can sustain you, and it's just like a little square of bread, and you eat it, and you're good, and you're like, cool, I can keep walking to Mordor, and you can go forever. And in the book, you know, Frodo and Sam, they got to eat it for a while, and they're like getting tired of it. Again, ingrates, because I, well, no, Sam was a little less ungrateful, but uh-huh. I just feel like I want somebody to hand me a food that I just eat, and it's like gonna sustain. I just eat a little square of it, mm-hmm. and I'm like, boom, I'm done. That's what we've been talking about a lot with this diet that we're doing. Although it's strict, it has freed up so much of our brains because you get exhausted thinking about what to eat. I get so and tired then, thinking about and then food. You think about it so much that it takes so long that you get more hungry and the stakes are much higher to pick the perfect food. And then you start getting frustrated with yourself and the person you're making the decision with. Well, yes, but I I would like to say even before the crazy diet, there was always meal planning going on in this house, (laughs) right? Okay. It's not just going to the wolves. Like I spent about the first 10 years of our marriage just making like a a meal plan. It's like, here's what we're eating this night. And then this and this and this, because you just don't even want to have that conversation anymore. Yeah. Like you get, t- you just get tired of having to decide. And again, Lambus bread, you eat that, you don't have to make a decision. Like I'm just going to eat that for like six or seven days of the week. Sunday we'll have 11 Z's or whatever the crap, you know, and all the other meals. Uh-huh. And then you're good. And then you can keep a trim L figure. Uh, can I tell you one thing that I was reminded about with the uh, Nature Valley bars? There was a young woman I used to work with who had kind of a sketchy boyfriend. And that he, one day he got mad and decided he was going to leave because he needed to find himself and climb a mountain, but he was not prepared to do it. And so he bought a box of power bars and put them in a backpack and just started trying to climb a mountain. The Appalachian Trail, I believe. I, that, that must have been. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that's he, like the one you would and, go. And then he just came back. He like, it didn't work out. It was like a little kid running away, except he was a grown man. With his book bag full of power bars. Well, that's embarrassing. If he would have had Limbus bread, then maybe he would have found himself. Yes, it was not. In his mind, it was like going to be like a Lord of the Rings journey. And then he's like, I'm hungry. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> Number seven. But you must never stop practicing the art of ninja. The art of invisibility. Oh, but no anchovies. And I mean no anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble, okay? This first one that I have is a classic, and it may seem obvious, but there's so much to talk about, I want to mention it. This is pizza from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> right, well, because we got to talk about the turtles. I wanted to pick this one because I think there's a lot more to this than just a cute idea. I think this had a real cultural impact on Gen X and Xennials in particular that I want to talk about. Okay. Uh, and a personal story that I want to talk about. Oh, it's a pizza story. Were you, do you feel like you were influenced by Ninja Turtle pizza? Do you remember them ordering it on the show in the movies? And do you feel like that shaped how you feel about pizza? I don't think so. But then I was already very fond of pizza. So uh-huh. I just feel like it was like a, a point of uh, uh, camaraderie. It was something we had in common. But it know? was culturally in the air, like may, maybe oh, maybe you were already eating a lot because it was always at the birthday parties and it was. Oh all- yeah, yeah. You you always go to Mr. Gaddy's and have the pizza buffet. That's the local was- pizza one for you. Yeah. You were also a Little Caesars. Love but- some Little Caesars. Yeah. I still love Little Caesars. I really do. We have to talk about pizza. We haven't talked about pizza <laughs> enough on this podcast, but we- yeah. <laughs> But I mean, yes, the turtles were definitely good pizza enthusiasts. <laughs> yeah, I think for so. For the world. Yes. Uh, yes. And now I, re- I remember that Michelangelo was the one most obsessed. Michelangelo. But I was trying to look at where this came from, the idea that the turtles love pizza. Uh, from what I gather, what I understand, it did start with the 1987 cartoon. And the best explanation I've seen is teenagers, obviously. And, and New Yorkers. Oh, and New York. I didn't even think about that. You know, that they're going to go get a big slice from the pizza right? dude on the street, whatever but, those are called. But Hold also on. mall culture, which I didn't think of from the oh, 90s. Yeah. And so there was a lot of that there. You hit up the Sabaro and exactly. you, you get a piece of pizza. <laughs> right, Sabaro in particular, you're yes. like, okay. Um, I thought that made a lot of sense. And of course, they did like the gross-out toppings and stuff for, for extra fun so you'd remember it or whatever. They were always ordering disgusting stuff on their pizza. Um, except for in the video games, I'm not aware that pizza gave the turtles any powers. Uh, except for in that stage show. 
Yes, yes, it's I want to talk about that. It's a saucer treat delight. Yes. I do know that. You know what, I'll, I'll just talk about that then. So yes, like you were saying, the turtles were such pizza enthusiasts that they ended up doing, I'm sure a lot of people already know, this concert movie called Coming Out of Their Shells. And it was like a stage show that they filmed, like Hamilton, but horrible. And <laughs> well... <laughs> <laughs> and we'll just say like Hamilton. And they had like uh pizza place tie-ins, like Pizza Hut sponsored it. So like the backdrop has all these Pizza Hut boxes, and then in the song numbers, they have all these pizza delivery guys like break dancing with pizza boxes and stuff. That sounds great. And the, and then they had all the promotions. It was just it was just crazy. Growing up in a glass bowl with I went back and looked at some of these clips and there are the parts that people who are aware of this remember, but there's also crazy stuff like when Shredder interrupts and comes out, it is just like wrestling because he tries to get the kids booing and he's delighted to be getting heat off of this. Like he's calling them like little jerks and stuff and they're in the crowd and he's just glowing with what a good job he's doing it's so funny that is hilarious and i don't need little snotty nosed brats watching me uh but as i said uh i think this had a real impact and i know it did on me personally because i have a very vivid embarrassing memory of doing something i saw the ninja turtles do that was very rude that <laughs> i want to tell you about um i I've often thought about this and how embarrassing it was, but until I actually put this list together for the show, I didn't think about where it came from, but it so clearly did when I was looking at the clips. I did not remember that a big part of the Ninja Turtles movies was them tormenting pizza guys. Uh, do you remember this? No. It was a big part of Why it. Why would is, they do that? It is such a bad idea. So they would give these really complicated orders over the phone and then they'd, they'd be like, and the clock's can't ticking, dude. And then they'd hang up and all giggle. And then they would time them. And then when the pizza guy came, I'm not done. When the pizza guy came. I'm a guest. They would rip them off somehow because they could never find where the turtles were hiding to get their pizza, like under a sewer grate or around an alley or something. And I, I could not believe what a bad example this was. That's, I am a guest. Pizza dude's got 30 seconds. In the first movie, there's this whole prolonged bit where M Michelangelo does this, and he's so rude. The guy finally finds it. It's a sewer grate, and then he, he takes it through the sewer grate, and he says, give me that. Like, he's being rude on top of it. And then the guy, who is a grown man, it's not a teenager, like a grown man who needs to deliver pizza, he's like, I couldn't find the address. It was, it's in the sewer. And then, uh, and then they, and he's like, sorry, dude, it's three bucks off. And like, Michelangelo won't give him the full price because he gets the discount because they were late. That is the most horrible thing I've ever heard. Can you believe that? No, I can't, and I'm angry. Okay, so seeing this one time, we also had Domino's Pizza, which is who they ordered from in the movie, and I did time them because I thought from the movie that it was supposed to be like a game, like the pizza place was playing it with you, like Thomas, and you know, get order off if you don't get it. And so I did, and when the young man came to the door, I, he was late. I was like, it was late, I get $3 off, like in the movie, and he was like so earnest, like, oh, I wasn't late. He was, and, and, then, and then I was arguing with him, and then my mom heard it and was horrified, and she was like, what are you doing? Give him the money, you idiot. And they're like, oh, here you go. And she's like, what was that? And I was like, oh, I don't know, there's turtles or whatever. And she's like, you can never, ever answer the door again. That is a horrible. That is... But I got it from the Ninja Turtles. I could not believe it. I can't believe they did that either. The, the, those pizza delivery people were their allies. I know. And also, it, like I said, it was a grown man. Can you believe that? That's terrible. Look, in this year especially, I think we are all really, really realizing how important people who deliver food are. That is exactly for right. Us, you know, to survive and thrive these days. And so I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm horrified. How dare you, turtles? Well, so we can leave on a positive note about pizza. Can huh? you can you leave us with the um, lyrics from the best song from that Coming Out of Their Shells tour? Do you remember the, the best song about pizza power? It was power, pizza power. It's a flying saucer treat delight. Something, something. that's all I know. <laughs> flying saucer treat delight. You don't need anything after that. Pizza power, a flying saucer food delight. Pizza power. Oh, that's what makes us feel all right. 
Number six. So my next pick is both food and people. And I pick the Citizens of Sugar Rush from 2012's Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, okay. Okay, now I don't know. Boy, that was a surprisingly good movie. Okay, it really was. Okay, also just I'll say I've not seen the sequel. So if if there's more delight to be found, I guess I'll eventually get around to watching it. I won't. Anyway, um, if you've not seen this film or if it's been a while, let me just refresh your memory. This was a Disney animated film about the secret internal world of arcade games. And it was very, very cute. The protagonist is Wreck-It Ralph. He's the bad guy from a game called Fix-It Felix Jr. And so it was like Donkey Kong and Mario, right? Mm -hmm. That's like what that is meant to evoke. And it's got a lot of really great themes in it about like who you were made as is not your destiny, blah, 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 blah. It's Uh It's very heartwarming and sweet. But the main action in this game takes place in an arcade cabinet called Sugar Rush, and it's a candy-themed racing game. Citizens of Sugar Rush, all hail our rightful ruler, King Candy. Hello, my loyal subjects! Ha-ha! Have some candy! (laughs) Okay, so all of the, the racers that you can pick from if you're a player are adorable and candy themed. They all have like candy themed car and their car matches them. And they have names like uh, Snowanna Rainbow and Crumbelina de Caramello. The whole world is themed, including the spectator stands. And so here's where we get to the food that I want to eat and live with. Um, Okay, so the spectators in the video game are all these little anthropomorphic candies. And the spectator stands are like, little popcorn boxes or little candy display boxes of their brand and you see like teddy graham crackers and little circle peppermint heads and little heart head candy guys and little hopping gumdrops and little hopping candy corns and they're like hopping with excitement and little peanut butter cup head girls with yellow hair bows and it is delightful i mean you you see them throughout the 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 film but when they introduce the racers for the first time you see all the little candy in the stands Mm -hmm. just like hopping with excitement (laughs) and i have got to tell you that it makes my brain short circuit like I, I don't have room for any more thoughts just period watching that because it's so adorable but also i want to eat it and i just like don't even know what i want to say about this except for i want to live there in that arcade cabinet and i want to eat them and okay. i don't i don't think they'd take too kindly to well you that. know i like hard decisions what kind of candy are you going to be living no oh, that's a great question I can't handle. Oh, oh I got to. And you have to breath. be honest about like what what really evokes your character or what you would like to be. So here's the thing: I would like to be like okay in Candyland. Can we all agree the best character is Lord Licorice, uh-huh. right? Because he's got the best look and the best vibe. And I'm actually a fan of Licorice in real life. Uh-huh. So I think I'd be like a you know. L- little licorice, little oh, licorice, okay, like, I- and I'd have a little black Scotty dog licorice who would go <laughs> with me, and so I'd be like kind of goth, and it would be really cute. I like that. Yeah, that's that's what I would want to be. I mean, I don't know if that's who I am, but that's what I that's what I would pick. Okay, what are you gonna be? Probably uh like a Hershey bar. I like all the quadrants. Oh, like oh a square, like a like a yeah, but lots squares. of squares, and they're real symmetrical. Yeah, that's like the robot of candies. <laughs> 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 These are of my building blocks. That. And, then, and it was like. And I like, come in like a shiny silver casing and everything. Oh, yeah. that'd be cute. Like a little silver suit, little, little lapels. Oh, yeah. And I could have it like a, v, little... like a V, like you've undone it a oh, little bit. Oh, that's adorable. And then, like, there'd be a little scene where they would be like, Sir, would you like some sprinkler, sprinkles? And you're like, No. No. Don't mess don't. with the perfect formula. That's right. That is freaking hilarious. <laughs> anyway, there's nothing more to say except for they're candy and I want to eat them, but also I want to be their friend. <laughs> and I can't handle it. And anyway, I'm going to rewatch that movie again. Or at least just the candy parts. Oh, and your car would be probably like a chariot because you're whipping with the licorices or something. <gasps> That's adorable. <laughs> It'd be like, yeah, sled dogs. It'd be like little Scotty licorice dogs. Oh my God, that's so cute. And so you can see why they also just had a ball doing all the character uh-huh. design for that film because it's so fun to riff on. Anyway... Everyone think about what kind of candy you would be in Sugar Rush. And then let us know. Rumors at thewizardsnightshirt.com. We're going to have some questions for you at the I end of this. You've got, your you're going to have some homework. Guys, I want to know your candy. Number five. 
All right, coming off of cute, adorable candy, my next pick is what I would like to call space drugs. <laughs> Uh-oh. This is Ketracel White. Uh-oh. <laughs> the, the enzyme that sustains Dominion super soldiers in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We can't go a minute without talking about Deep Space Nine. I, I don't know. know. But I I'm know. happy about it. I know. I'm okay. not mad about Look, it. Look, the best is the best. Last time on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I know that the Gem Hadar have been genetically engineered by the Dominion to be addicted to what you call Ketracel White. And that by controlling the supply of this drug, the Founders maintain control over you. We want to be free of it. To break the addiction. I feel like I've accidentally already told the story of every Star Trek show by now. And I think you gave a little <laughs> history on DS9. I sure did. Um, but for context, so we can get into it briefly, this is the one about the space station. It's located, the space station is located near a wormhole and the Federation has to interact with all the different aliens in Star Trek uh, to stop the bad guys from taking over the quadrant. That's, that's basically it. But the main thing to say about Deep Space Nine is that it was the first Star Trek show to show a lot of the gray area uh, that people have to deal with morally. Gene Roddenberry famously wanted the show uh, to show an idealized future where conflicts were mostly interpersonal. But DS9 tried to walk that line really hard and, I, and it was done so well, I'd say they honored his vision by challenging it and, and making the Federation ideals have to persevere even in the face of real hard challenges. That's what real idealism is, okay? <laughs> Your little perfect ideals don't mean anything if they're not challenged. And I think they even knew that going into it because in the pilot episode, you see Cisco getting into an argument with Captain Picard. And so you've got those two different worlds looking each other right in the face, even though they're both working toward the same end. So it's pretty cool. But anyway, speaking of gray areas, here's where we get to space drugs. Now, calm down, Rebecca. I've got the stuff. I've got the stuff. Okay, <laughs> I was you'll get it. Concerned. Um, but a big part of this show happened with the Dominion War storyline that began in season four through the end of the show. This is where the show got really good, and they brought on Worf and Nog, joined Starfleet, and everything. And it's also where we first meet some super soldiers called Jim Hadar, who were addicted to a drug called Ketracel White. I like that name for a space drug because it sounds like a real drug to me. It sounds to me like a, a rare Mountain Dew flavor that comes out <laughs> once in a while. Well, you know, thinking, all the good sodas start out as drugs. I mean, it, yes, exa exactly. Right. And so Ketracel White, it would just be like very ca would, Catch some Ketracel White. Ca yeah. Catch. And like, so, a, like a, you could paint the can to look like a little cell, you know, yeah. like a little cell of it. And you go like, bloop, bloop, bloop. I it's love like it. Mountain Dew. That's what I think. It sounds delicious. I was thinking it like crocodile or something, but like, that's not too far from Mountain Dew. So yes, it's all the, it's all the same. Thing. I do love Mountain Dew. That, that's a good one. <laughs> We've not been drinking a lot of soda lately, but yeah. Okay. So this is, I know it's been a while and it's hilariously complicated, but it's fun to ask. Do you? I don't. Okay, no, okay. just ask, ask me anyway. <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? So do you remember the deal with why they're addicted? Like, I'm, I'm thinking about, can you talk about the Founders, the Vorta, and the Jim Hadar? Oh, God, no. No, I can't. <laughs> also, you have got to know that I pieced out during everything gross in everything. The Jim Hadar are gross. I don't pay attention they're to them. They're sort of like... Um, uh, Little bebops. Yeah. Or, we just talked about the turtles. It's um, all the same. What's the dinosaur that I always thought was called the Armadon, but it's a real name? Ankylosaurus. Ankylosaurus. They're sort of like blue ankylosauruses. Um, but the deal with this is that the Jim Hadar have to have this substance called uh, Ketracel White to survive. And the big bad guys, the founders, control the supply of it. So basically, they have their own super soldiers who have incredible strength and short lifespans and complete fealty to them uh, through control of Ketracel White. And the founders have this, like, I don't know how to describe it better than, like, this weird, like, genetically bred servant race called the Vorta, and the the, the head one's uh, played by Jeffrey Combs. It's awesome. Uh, and the Vorta are the ones who personally administer the Ketracel White, and they do it through this elaborate ceremony where they uh, ask the head Jim Hadar, can you vouch for the loyalty of your men? And then the Jim Hadar captain says, we pledge our loyalty to the founders from now until death. And then Jeffrey Combs says, then receive this reward from the founders. May it keep you strong. And then they go out and fight the Federation, and it's real creepy. That is very creepy <laughs> and gross. <laughs> well, uh, I'm glad you mentioned it was gross because, uh, what's his name, Westmore, who the big makeup guy uh, who did makeup for all the Star Trek stuff, 
they he built these really creepy looking pumps on their armor where you could see the Ketracel getting pumped into them, this little white substance going into them. And he made it with uh, copy machine motors. And so they would really pump the stuff through their sheet. It was really upsetting. That's very ingenious, but that's also very gross. (laughs) That's very different from the cute little candy thing. (laughs) There's no Ketracel white jumping up and down in the stadium. They're like, ah, uh, did anybody smuggle any Ketracel into Sugar Rush? Because we're going to have to shut this race down. Please don't. Please don't. (laughs) They're like little snow caps. Like, wee! (laughs) No. Number four. All right, at number four, I bring you a mythical sandwich. The Teamster Sub from mm-hmm. 30 Rock. Do you remember the Teamster Sub? It's called The, the episode is called Sandwich Day. I so do. I do two. remember. I mean, you can get real, real worked up about anticipating a food. So I really understood <laughs> that episode. So, yeah, the, 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 con- the premise of this episode is that it is a yearly tradition on the set of their show for the crew for the Teamsters, once a year, they'll bring in like these amazing subs from a secret shop. They don't tell anybody where it's from. And so they're the only ones who know how to get them. And so everybody all year looks forward ridiculously to their Teamster sub. This is one of the examples where the the thing itself is not special, but you can build lore around a specific type of food and it attains legendary status like in your own little world, like among your friends or whatever. Uh-huh. Was there ever a food that you felt that way that you made like a mythical legendary legendary status out of when you were young? Yes, yes, yes. Um, I think you, you know about this one because you didn't even believe me that it existed. But we were just talking about Pizza Hut. We found out about a secret menu item. And I guess I'm going to share this story with you now and you can try it. I found out about a secret menu item. Yeah, Pizza try Hut. it. Pizza Hut will love you. Yes. Um, my dad worked for a bank. And so they had lots of little banquety type things. And so he knew about their secret catering menu. And you can order Pizza Hut sub sandwiches. And they are incredible. They are, they are like these uh, salami or pepperoni uh, sandwiches. And they come with the nice little... It's a lot like the Teamster subs, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. you can get little, maybe you can get little dips and stuff. And then you get your nice little ruffles bag with it or whatever. But anyway, we love this. And my dad was so proud of like... For dinner, we're like, I'm going to get the Pizza Hut sandwiches tonight. Because it's like our little family secret. It's like, oh, we're getting the inside thing. And and at least in my experience, whenever I've called and asked for it, they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. Because, you know, the kid's working there. They know where it is. They don't care. So um, <laughs> They'll give you some bread. Anyway, yes, a lot like the Tinkster sub, <laughs> an actual the, sub. The mythical secret menu Pizza Hut subs. Yeah. They are out there. <laughs> And um, yeah, this, that is that is very funny. The Teamster sub on Thirty Rock is very similar. So like when you look at it, when they have shots of it or whatever, it just looks like white, like Italian bread loaf uh-huh. with like some red meat peeking out, and then there's some really thick, oily brown dipping sauce that could either be marinara or some kind of oju. We like we don't even know. Like, uh-huh. but that's but that's what it, the way that it comes. And um, it's a very big deal to get the sandwich once a year. And of course, it's a very big deal to Liz on the show. And the episode culminates in Liz having to make the choice to wolf down her Teamster sub. <laughs> At a TSA checkpoint because she's trying to run to the airport to have like a, a an emotional conversation with her ex boyfriend and she has to buy a plane ticket so she can go you know past the terminal into the terminal where he is, and there is a very hilarious sequence in which she has to either throw away the Teamster sub in the TSA garbage or just eat the sandwich as fast as she can and it's pretty great. You're choosing the sandwich over a guy. That is less cliché. I can do it. I love the lady, the TSA security lady watching her just disgusted, which is cramming it into her face. (laughs) (laughs) And that is good. Like I just, in my life, I, I would like to have more foods that I feel so strongly about. Like I I want a, a teamster sub in my life. And I don't even eat meat. Well, it's so. on your mind because we keep building up. A Sunday is our, our big splurge day. I know. And so we keep, we've realized that the stakes get too high because we get worked up about it all week. And so we are very, very particular about how the day is orchestrated. Like, are we getting this on time? Is it satisfying enough? Uh, did they prepare it well at this restaurant? And so uh, 
I know what you're talking you, about. You got to be picky because you can't eat that much, even when you're trying to. Yeah. Well, yeah. You're yeah. like, well, well, no, really though. <laughs> um, and Pizza Hut just came out with a pizza that has Beyond sausage on it, so uh-huh. I'm kind of actually excited about yeah, that. Yeah, we may try that. Maybe um, on Sunday I'll do that. I'm thinking hard about Pizza Hut actually this this Sunday. We're thinking hard about Pizza Hut a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> Don't record on Saturday. It's your hungriest day. <laughs> Number three. My next pick is also space drugs. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> this is the precious spice called Melange. It is space drugs. From the, from the Dune novels and films. Mm. Do not underestimate the power of Muad'Dib's prescience, milady. Your father did to his great misfortune. My father was betrayed by you and your simpering spacing guild. And those witches of the Bene Gesserit. And for what? For spice. You abandon your emperor for spice. This is, is, the, the turtles is the only thing stopping <laughs> your pigs from being like robotic or space drugs. Okay, that is fine. That is fine. This Go is on. like a step up from Ketracel White, I think. I mean, just because it's more accepted. But it is so powerful that it changes the balance of all civilization because everyone will kill to get it. It's like galactic beanie babies. Yes, just like that. What is our beanie baby right now? I feel like I don't have a good uh, good handle on what the beanie baby is. Like it was Furby at one, you know. Well, I feel like now people are doing hoarding in like bulk buying with like cons- like consumer electronics, which I think oh. is unfair. Like I know that like oh okay, like, like the console yeah, demand. Yeah, like the, the PS Five just came out or okay. whatever, and people are like, okay, get one because somebody writes a bot script for eBay, and then they or like and then they buy a whole bunch of them, and then they try to sell them because they're terrible. Yeah. I feel like people are like making making everyone feel like a collector about just regular items because of pettery like that. Uh-huh. And people do that with anything that they perceive might be even remotely collectible. Like I I have heard in in lady circles uh-huh. of <laughs> I know like, how you get around in the know, circle you know and y'all start I go, sewing. I go in those lady circles where like there will be ladies who go into a store like TJ Maxx or Home Goods that's kind of a closeout store and they'll buy all that terrible Ray Dunn, you know, like little design things with the tall skinny lettering on it and they'll buy it crazy just so they can go resell it on ebay and then oh. people indulge them by buying it on ebay don't buy things from resellers okay they're bad people they need to be discouraged <laughs> i just i just think it's terrible i just think it's humanity's worst instinct that i don't know if rebecca we hasn't missed out on a ps5 she just feels bad for other people i do look i play video games in my mind. Okay. <laughs> my mind Sugar is Hill. the greatest game. I go inside and explore whenever I feel like it. And I can always save my progress. And I can always play with friends. What? I don't know. Shut up. I'm just going <laughs> to. And also, man is the most dangerous game. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. You usually add that at the end, too. That's a equally grizzled thing to add. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I just want to eat the little candy people from Sugar Rush. Let's talk about space drugs. Well, I'm going to tell you about my personal experience with Melange at the end of this. Uh-oh. Believe it or not, I do have a personal story about it. But first, let me explain where this precious spice comes from. So this comes from Dune. This is the fil- the novel series from the 60s uh, and the film series. And it is so 60s, sci-fi, and strange. It's really weird to explain. But I'm going to give you the basics real quick. It's about the destiny of a royal family called the Atreides, who set up a colony on the most dangerous planet in the universe called Arrakis because that's where that's the only place where the most powerful substance in the universe can be created and everybody will do anything to get it and so there's always all this brinksmanship between all the uh, empires to, to get it um, so you know how I love to do this from this being in the air in pop culture what do you know about melange or what are you when you hear melange what does it evoke for now, you now that's the thing that makes your eyes turn weird yes. it makes your eyes turn a weird color i yes. know that they turn blue yes yeah they turn that that freaky dicky blue yeah um, I know that he who controls the spice controls the universe. Yes, that's also true. Right? Know, You're on your way. I know those two things. You that's know good. how important it is. Okay. Uh, in practice, uh, this is used by these people called guild navigators. These are the pilots for the long distance, like faster than light travel ships because somebody has to imbibe this spice to see through time and have prescience because that's the only way they can plot oh, yeah. 
That's the only way they can plot a course at faster than light. Otherwise, you end up often inside another planet or inside a star. It's the only way to safely travel. Oh, so, that would be embarrassing. Yes. So that's why it's important. And the navigate, the more you eat it, if you eat it to excess like them, you start changing your shape. And depending on which movie you look at or your understanding of the books, they grow into these grotesque, weird bot fly creatures in these uh, gas tanks, or they turn into like these sinuous, amphibious, creepy things. Either way, they're amazing. Well, I was going to say to you, I don't think that that would be like a downside. I I think about that, yeah. <laughs> um, so in, in more moderate doses, in the doses that um, people think about when they're trying to get this, it has normal mind-altering um, effects, and it opens up dormant parts of your brain where you get some type of extrasensory perception. Uh, in heavy doses, you get prescience. And so in the book, the main character, um, he's going to be trying to get this so he can see the best path forward for civilization. But can he handle all the power? Blah, 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 blah. And it's addictive and all that good stuff. And also it just has some good um, health benefits if you take it moderate doses. You know, I was thinking it was like turmeric, you know. It's like it's spoonful and you're like, well, I guess I can put this in my rice. But you're not going to eat spoonfuls of turmeric. Well, actually, actually, one of the um, space witches, the Bene Gesserit, describes the taste. And they figure that it tastes different every time you taste it. Uh, She said the first time she tasted it, it tasted like cinnamon. Let me tell you about my personal experience with melange. When I was a young teenage man, uh, I would go to the local music store. And as is the case, with a lot of music stores, there's weirdos hanging around. <laughs> and I remember I was talking to this grown man about some different cool new uh, albums that were coming out. And he looked like, so you can get a picture for this. He looked like a real hip goatee man, like a real cool cat. Yeah, like the kind of person you think is really cool when you're a teenager, but then you're like, why are you talking to me, a teenager? That's right. If you're a grown man. <laughs> and you, that doesn't really dawn upon you until you're much older. Yeah. And you're like, oh, maybe that guy wasn't cool. He looked like the um, realtor for our house. Oh, okay. So, yeah, you get it. You yeah. know. Okay. Um, so he was talking about all these weird bands I might like. And he's like, he started out, he's like, you ever heard of a band called Mr. Bungle? <laughs> and I was like, uh, no, let me write that down. And then he goes, you ever heard of a band called Melange? <laughs> and I was like, uh, no, but I just read like the first Dune books. And I was like, I have to find this. Uh, but this was before like Napster and Audio Galaxy or anything. If it didn't come into my local CD yeah, store, I couldn't get, get it. it? Yeah. Um, so I never heard about it. But I was so obsessed with this band called Melange and I was missing all their great stuff. And so here's where the story gets creepy. For this list, I started looking it up. It's like, oh, cool. I'll pick a sound clip from Melange or whatever. I, I, maybe it's from the 90s. I was thinking it's probably like a 60s or 70s band, like uh-huh. a psychedelic band. I looked it up. There is no record of any band called Melange until 2016. <laughs> this man took the spice and had prescience. And he knew in 20 years there would be a... Uh, Spanish band called Melange in 2016, and he was just telling me about it. I have a hard time believing that there wasn't a band called Melange before then. That just can't be right. I'm just telling you, there's no record. I think he's like a guild navigator. I think he took that spice and had a hot tip for me 20 years later. And you know what? I listened to it. Pretty dang good. Well, good. I think they're from, uh, I don't know if they're from South America or Mexico. I saw it was Spanish, but it's like a really, really fine-tuned prog band. Pretty good. Okay. Thanks, weird guy from the store who took Melange. Number two. All right, near the end of our countdown, at number two, I bring you the Golden Girls Cheesecake. Oh, that's a really good one. Okay. Okay, can I just say, I think this is like... uh, Pizza is to Ninja Turtles as cheesecake is to Golden Girls. (laughs) I would agree. Correct. I would agree with that. All right. And, you know, the Golden Girls needs no introduction, but here's some production info about it for our friends who are younger or our friends who are overseas who may not have seen it in syndicated reruns their whole lives. Uh Um, So this was a sitcom from the U.S. that originally aired from 1985 to 1992. And it was about four women, all of whom were over 50, 
and starting this second phase of their lives uh-huh. in a house living as roommates in Miami, Florida. Okay? I think I'll have just one more cup of tea. Yeah, we can finish the cheesecake. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. You know what would go so good on this cheesecake is those chocolate sprinkles. We finished those an hour ago. Hey, we could crush some Oreos on top. We ran out of those two hours ago. Uh, how about some whipped cream? Mm. Mm. I think we still have a can. I'll get it. It's in my bedroom. Never mind, Blanche. And this is a show that everyone loves to some degree, and I've never met anyone who claimed they did not like the mm-hmm. Golden Girls. And if I did meet that person, I'd be like, what the hell's wrong with you? Because, you know, that's just one of those it's things. It's really well written. It's a yes. really good show. Didn't the Arrested Development guy write for it? Probably. I mean, like, I actually looked at all of their list of writers, and I mean, they, they just had, like, tons and tons They're of super good writing. A-list sitcom writers mm-hmm. on there and, and everything. I think our love for the show is based on two factors. And of course, one of those is just the chemistry of the cast and their comedic talent. So this was uh, B. Arthur, Rue McClanahan, Estelle Getty, and then of course, Betty White. And then of course, the second part of that is just that the show is a masterclass in comedy writing. Mm-hmm. Um, as you already mentioned, like the scripts were just so solid and so good. And again, like... Ag- this is one of those shows that I think a lot of people find incredibly comforting. And if you find it uh, pirated on YouTube, as you will sometimes when you go looking for those things, you'll see people in the comments being like, oh my God, I put this show on every night to go to bed. Like a lot of people like this show as like they're getting dressed in the morning or they're going to bed at night relaxing show. And um, I feel like a big part of that has to do with the fact that good comedy is rhythmic almost like music Mm -hmm. right like there is just this very 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 comfortable pace um it's like you can imagine a dad standing out there doing pop flies like like (laughs) like for all the kids on the baseball team Uh just like you toss the ball up and hit it with the other arm lazily like toss set up deliver connect like bam like a rhythm, and it goes over and over again, and those scripts are so good. And, of course, they're so good at, at um, delivering them. Oh, Rose, honey, you can't sleep again. No. Oh, Rose, you have to put this terrible thing behind you. You killed Mrs. Claxton two days ago. <laughs> and um, a recurring theme in the show is that the girls will often stay up late and discuss their problems into the night over uh-huh, cheesecake. Uh-huh. And they always have cheesecake in the house. And apparently they have a cheesecake supplier, which I wish that I did. Because yeah. I, don't, I don't know where you just get some. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess you go to a bakery, but I don't know. Uh, can, can I say, uh, before I forget, I, I caught that they had the same uh, years that they ran. They're very close to uh, the Ninja Turtles cartoon. <laughs> yes, of course. And they... since we were just talking about the Ninja Turtles, I am so excited because I just thought of this. I think it'd be very fun to map which Golden Girl is which Ninja Turtle. <laughs> That's very good. Okay. All right. Mm. Dorothy. Hmm. Dorothy is Donatello. You think? Or she's Leonardo because yeah, she's kind one of or the, the other. leader. Yeah. But I feel like because she, she's an intellectual, that makes her Donatello. Yeah. More. More. Probably more so with that. Okay. Michelangelo is definitely Sophia. Because huh, he's the party I, no, dude. I was going to say Rose. You think Rose is the Michelangelo? Yeah, because she's like Aaron? the party one. Yeah, the airheaded one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I would say Blanche would be Leonardo if if I if Dorothy is Donatello. Yeah, and and uh, Sophia's kind of grumpy and stuff. She can be Raphael. Okay, you know, well, she goes on her own a little bit sometimes. I will accept that. She, that I had she been a detective before? You know, <laughs> I think in one episode. <laughs> no, but anyway, but okay, okay, but yeah, you could you could play around with that a little. You bit. You could play with that a, a little bit, but we all agree Dorothy. Has, okay, no, no, okay, on. Blanche is Leonardo because it's her house. Yeah. She well, is yeah. the leader because she collects the rent. There you go. Okay. Okay. See, that's, again, chime in. Rumors at thewizards.com. Please email us and tell us which Golden Girl is which Ninja Turtle if you disagree. I think that was very correct, though, what we just said. Yeah. But, I mean, but yeah, this this is a, uh, as, they, as the Ninja Turtles devoured their pizza and were enthusiasts, the Golden Girls did so with cheesecake. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, really, when we get down to it, it's a reminder that the best food is the food that you share with your loved ones. Uh-huh. And that's kind of like a thing to think about this year for a lot of us. But this year won't be forever. Also, I think it's very important to remind us all that our chosen family is just as legitimate, if not more so, than our family by birth. 
Uh-huh. And I just think that the Golden Girls was a really great example of that. And I feel like I would like to eat cheesecake with my chosen family sometimes just in the same way, you know. And, and what, a, what a gift that is to be able to sit around the table with somebody you love and just gab, gab away in the, the afternoon making pot after pot of coffee. I present to you, <laughs> here comes Galadriel, a buttload of cheesecake for your long journey. Uh, yeah, there's just, it's just, it's a, it's a mythical food that is actually quite an ordinary food. But what makes it special? The secret ingredient is love. Before we name our top food or power source, we feel compelled to list some honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. Okay, honorable mentions. The dehydrated Pizza Hut pizza from Back to the Future. Oh, from, from Back to the Future oh, too. Oh, right. We are. Uh, I know. This is, look, pizza this, Hut's a big deal for us. Apparently so. And like I, you know, I don't even have to laugh and say this is clearly not sponsored because, like, clearly <laughs> not. Um, I don't. It's not even my favorite pizza chain. <laughs> So that that pizza, and then I also pick um, the stuff from the stuff, and then I also pick raspberry cordial slash currant wine from Anne of Green Gables, where she gets Diana drunk by accident. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. That was gonna be a pick, but then I just yeah, yeah, anyway. Okay. All right. Anything Kirby ate from the Kirby games? Okay. <laughs> that gave him power. Um, I'm gonna say uh, mushrooms from Mario. Okay. I mean, I guess technically he does eat them. Okay, one I was thinking about that just made me laugh was that show, uh, Peep Show, where Mark is sitting alone in the... I was trying to think of something for Peep well, Show. We, don't, si- we can't talk about Peep Show yet, though. Oh, we can't? No, but I mean, like, you can now, but, like, not really. Okay, well, okay. he was sitting at a diner by himself because he just decided he was going to get around to writing a novel, but, he, like, he hadn't done any planning, so he's just like, what are some things about this character? And he's like, he's a man who loves or possibly hates chips like that's a, <laughs> a, a a thing he should write down i was thinking about picking the bucket of chicken that mark bought for himself while while sophie was in labor that's a good one And he went downstairs and just bought a bucket of chicken was walking around with it because he didn't want anyway yeah uh, show. Uh, i was gonna go uh scooby snacks yes obviously and uh, pellets for pac-man okay all right well then with all of uh, this rich list in the rich history behind us What's your number one fictional food or power source? Number one. I should have called this episode Space Drugs. I'm pushing it. (laughs) I'm pushing it for several reasons because I already did Star Trek, but I'm also doing Transformers. This is Energon. Is Energon drugs? It's the power source. For all robots really who are more, more than like, meets the eye. Okay, it's really more like a food. Though. You're right. You're right. It is more you're like right. a food. Okay. Yeah. Um. So this is more like somewhere between Ninja Turtle Pizza and Catcher Cell White. They aren't desperate for it, but they need it. Uh, it's their food, and it's what they're made of, and they fight for it sometimes. It's a it's a big resource for them. It looks different at different points in the show and in the books. Like they started out with it being sort of like a. Uh, translucent thing with some rainbow streaks uh but then it they they sort of settled on it being these uh cubes of pink liquid and uh they would sort of stack they were always stacking energon cubes all the time uh and there's this famous clip uh, that would make makes the rounds sometimes of all the decepticons uh getting drunk on this excess of energon they found on this planet at at one point yes i have seen that (laughs) boy these are good (laughs) I need it to refuel energy. Energy! Energy! <laughs> this stuff's the greatest! <laughs> oh, those were the good old days back on Cybertron! Didn't have to sneak around in these ugliest disguises. <laughs> so, uh, so this is where Energon comes from. Also, I'm going to take up some space in people's brains with some Transformers history. <laughs> you may forget some things about the American Revolution, but now you are going to know about the Great War of Cybertron, okay? Okay, fair enough. Gather around, changeling robots, and hear the tale of the Great War. I will read from our sacred book, the Transformers Wiki. 
Okay. As you know, the Great War was the first and most violent outburst of fighting on the planet Cybertron between the newly christened Autobots and Decepticons. It was started by Megatron's initial drive to overthrow the caste system, although this noble goal was corrupted by his jealousy of Orion Pax's ascension to Prime. Got it so far? Yeah. It's going to be on the test. There will be a quiz. Uh, okay. Uh, fighting between the two forces lasted for several millennial stellar cycles. By its end, however, Cybertron was a barren and uninhabitable wasteland, devoid of pure energon, forcing Prime to enact the Great Exodus. And so the conflict leaves Cybertron, and it continues on Earth, where they do find some more energon. Where is where is it mined on Earth? Um, you How know what? How do we get to? How do we get it? I don't remember what state they were crashed in. I want to say it's like California because there's like lots of mountains and stuff around there. Okay. Or I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know what state the Transformers well, are in. I don't know where the Transformers found their Earth Energon. That is really funny. It's I really never not thought about that. Super important. I want them to have driver's licenses because they're all vehicles and stuff. <laughs> like they have to have like a California driver's license. They probably were not going to pass any emissions tests these days. <laughs> <laughs> Considering some of them are jet fighters and stuff. <gasps> I mean, Transformers is a very nuanced, great story, but I just love the uh, super generic uh, energy source. Like, we must have Energon. It just, I love the, the B-movie-ness of that for the robots. Well, and the fact that the Energon does look like something you would actually want to eat yourself. Yeah, you can understand why this they would This is not like Catcher Cell White. Like, you don't want that jab, like tubes going right. in you giving you catch yourself white when you can just crack open a nice cool tube of energon oh you know what that would be a great tie-in for a transformers movie is for like red bull or something to make energon drinks like that would be really good you if would they want... did it in a square can i would buy all oh, of oh that's them. a great idea like you they have like a capri sun punch hole in a cube oh yeah yeah they could do paper that'd be way cheaper that okay. would be really good uh, I have to tell you that there have been some Star Trek crossovers before, and one of them involved Energon, where Starscream decided to substitute Energon with dilithium, and uh, he tried to use this mineral to satisfy his so conquest. So this wasn't okayed by the people of Star Trek. They just decided to say dilithium <laughs> in Transformers. I think... I think IDW had the publishing rights for both properties. Oh, okay. So they're like, yeah, we can have some crossover Yes, here. I think they can do that. What do you think it tastes like? I'm going to go with like the a little too tart, um, crystal light, like Kool-Aid type stuff. I think it would taste like Sharkleberry Finn. Okay. The, that Kool-Aid. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Figured that out. We take great comfort in knowing pizza power can be well, that list has made me angry and hungry. <laughs> uh, we did a lot of good work for Pizza Hut today. <laughs> I, I, I'm just really happy that we did a lot of good work for them. The Pizza Hut ambassadors that they don't deserve. We talked about space drugs and what things were borderline space drugs. We talked about friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of, uh, I think there's also been a strain we didn't really get into about like emotional eating. Too. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything about that. Because like a lot of these uh, power sources, it's not clear whether it actually gives them power or not. Like, like the Ninja Turtle pizza. Uh, so they're just emotional eaters, the Ninja Turtles, I think. And jerks. And jerks. To and the if delivery anything, man. The pizza, How could you do that? The pizza should be making them worse ninjas, I think. I mean, they're just going to be like carb-loaded and sleepy like teenagers that wake up too late. Yeah, their metabolisms are, are young, so I guess yeah. they can just get away with it. Ta okay, so here's the thing I was going to talk about. Here's the thing I was going to talk about, okay? The question uh, okay, I have for people. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so if you, if you would like to see us talk about things like assigning uh, Ninja Turtles to Golden Girls... Uh, in person, one of the things we were wondering about was whether we should dip our toes into YouTube a little bit. Um, so we were thinking about specifically about whether people would be interested in like an unedited version of this podcast that we would post a video of. So it'd be, you know, Rebecca and me sitting here with our animals and stuff, and maybe we'd make our room look a little better. I don't know. But the point is... Uh, <laughs> I make no promises. Is this is this medium something that people are using now? It, seemed, it seems to me lately like um, we see a lot of people watch shows like ours 
on YouTube, you know, where people just, it's a little easier to put on or whatever. And maybe if we did this, we would also release it as a podcast still, obviously. Yeah. Um, but um, we would also have an unedited version of it that you could like cut on when you're making dinner or whatever. So um, I know we do that a bit now. Like I know, I know you've got your YouTube shows. Yeah, I've got my YouTubers I watch. It's true. Yeah, Rebecca has her cleaning person. You've got your um, movie review person. Yeah, I, I got a whole team. I watch all my Marty Fry, Fry, Friedman um, guitar stuff. So anyway, here's here's what I was gonna ask. Uh, I'll put this on all our social media stuff, but um, you can DM us or you can email us. But I would like to know. Uh, if this would be interesting to you and if you have any thoughts about like uh, how you'd like to see it or what kind of things you watch on YouTube, um, just that sort of thing. I, I guess they're just sort of looking for some confidence and some ways to kind of steer us as we dip our toes into it. So just write to us about this idea, I guess is what I'm there trying to say. We're always learning and growing. Yeah. So it's something we're thinking about trying and we'd, we'd like to hear from you about it. Uh, but in, uh, in the meantime, if you have thoughts on this list or your own suggestions for our list, you can email us at rumors at thewizardsnightshirt.com or you can talk to us on social media and we might share some of your thoughts on the next episode. Rebecca, where can people follow us? You can find us on Twitter or Instagram or you can visit thewizardsnightshirt.com to find out about this show and our other shows like Curdle Holler, our original Halloween comedy series, as well as a complete archive of our Masters of the Universe review show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week when we call forth new champions. The legends they tell of a hero Facing down fears and cutting down foes There's no resemblance to what you know When your own deeds feel humble